Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job, here's how. Let's get started. I'm happy to be here with you today and thrilled that my guest today is Farnoosh Brock. I'm going to give a little introduction to Farnoosh because she's got some amazing accomplishments that I want to be sure I tell you about. And then I'm going to let her say hello and introduce herself. From electrical engineer and rising leader at a Fortune 100 tech company to being a coach, speaker, author, and sales trainer in 2011 when she started her company, Prolific Living. Her work around crucial conversations and trusted relationships inside the Serving Mindset Framework has helped many businesses and individuals to raise their income, influence, and impact. In addition to her latest book, The Serving Mindset, Stop Selling and Grow Your Business, she is the creator of Crack the Code to Get Promoted, a corporate leadership and advancement course, as well as the author of three health books and a wellness program. Farnoosh is also an avid yoga practitioner, an amateur golfer, and a world traveler. So in addition to that, I have seen her speak at multiple different events around our area here in Raleigh, and she's totally amazing as a speaker. So engaging. The message is great. So welcome, Farnoosh. Thanks for being here. Thank you for such a kind introduction, Katie. It's been so wonderful getting to know you, and I am so excited about your podcast and the topic that we're going to be talking about to help your listeners get their dream job. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I I brought my copy of the Serving Mindset book with me today, and I was just showing Farnoosh how I've pretty much dog-eared <laughs> um, about every other page because it was it was so great. So if you have not read this book, I think it's it's such a great read and so applicable, not just for people in sales roles. I don't know. I found there were so many different areas of life I could apply this book to, to my business, to work, to just everything. So a really great book with a terrific message. So highly, highly recommend. Thank you. Yeah. And so excited to have Farnoosh here today because we're going to talk about how to determine the best place to re-enter the workforce with your skills and qualifications. And Farnoosh does a lot of executive coaching and tons of work um, around coaching people on their careers and advancing careers. And so she's the perfect speaker to tackle this topic. So let's jump right in. Um, Farnoosh, what would you say is the first step to determining where to re-enter the workforce? I would say the first place you want to start is by asking yourself the question of why you want to re-enter the workforce. And I know that sounds obvious, but this is the question that goes beyond your financial reasons. So obviously it's going to help with your income, your household income, and that's fine. But I would ask you to set that aside for a minute and ask yourself, 
what is motivating me to re-enter the workforce at this phase of my life? Is it because, and, and it's because it's different for everyone. Is it because you want to be challenged again? You want to learn a new skill. You want to be back in a team environment, in a company organization. You want to be part of a mission. You want to move toward a goal that's bigger than, than what you have right now, that's bigger than yourself. And getting really clear on that gets helps you to get to know yourself and what's important to you at this stage and what is going to energize and invigorate you at your next role. You could do that by journaling. Like I give people a prompt to journal with, to write whatever comes. And the prompt could be simply, why am I returning to work now? What is important to me as I return to work now or any variations of that question and just write out whatever comes to you for 15, 20 minutes and keep writing. What else? What else comes to you? And so it's, it's a great way to tap into your subconscious to see, okay, what, why do I want to return to work? And I think that's just the, the laying the groundwork. And it might even help you be more confident because it gives you more clarity. Oh, you know what? I really miss being a part of a team or I really want to be challenged again now that my kids are grown up or my parents are in a good place and I can go and focus on my career. So that's the first step. Okay, great. Right. I think that's so important. The Just getting at the motivation, as you said, that's yeah. really, I think, something that can help people tap into figuring out what their next step is. And I love that there's reflection involved in this first step because I sometimes think that's the legwork you have to do sort of on your own and in the background before you get out and actively start looking for that job because you have to sort of set your path and set your direction and that's not always easy to do. It's not and you know it may seem like I am actually delaying the more actionable steps you could be taking but believe me you will you will get stuck if you're not clear on this. You know, just getting your resume out and applying to jobs, that's, yeah, that's going to come later. But if you get clear on this, if you spend a few days, maybe even a couple of weeks getting really clear on this, it's going to expedite the rest of the process because you can eliminate the things that don't respond to this thing you've come up with, your why, your reasons, and you can gravitate towards the ones that do. So definitely recommend doing this as a first step. Yeah, so important. I hear from a lot of women who are going back to work that they don't want to go back to what they did before. Yeah. And maybe the field has changed since they've been out, mm-hmm. or maybe they've just realized I'm just that's just not where my heart lies anymore. Yeah. And sometimes they know what they don't want to do, but they don't exactly know what they do want to do. Yes. Let's talk about that. I'm so passionate about this because just to give you the personal side, I went from engineering and then project management as an employee in a corporate world to completely reinventing myself. Not only did I go from employee to self-employed entrepreneur, but also from the work I did to now writing books, coaching people, speaking, and creating online programs and products. And, And I had to figure out how to make that shift. And the first thing I had to really, I struggled with it and I didn't even know it was, it is okay to make that shift. And you are not, and I repeat, you are not discarding your education, your certifications, your work experience that you had by making a shift, whether that is a small shift or a huge shift like I made. 
Because if that's where you're being called, if that's where your interests and passions lie, I think at the very least, we owe it to ourselves to explore it. So it's okay to make those shifts. And I think the next question is, okay, where do I want to go? And how do we work our way towards that? So now that you know, you don't want to be at the same line of work, the industry, the the company you worked with, then let's figure out, let's do an assessment of your strengths and your skills and abilities. And those are the things you may have done five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever. I believe they stay with us, even if we need a refresher. You don't completely lose your ability to communicate to executives. You may need a refresher, but it's there. So being very fair in qualifying those skills, even though they may be a little rusty after a break, I think that's important. And it's really kind of an assessment. Okay, what are my strengths? What was I really good at? What was it that my management was always praising me for? Because sometimes it's not even obvious to us anymore. It becomes a so second nature, right? And what are my abilities? And these are things that you're really good at. The next element I would bring into the equation is whether you also are interested and passionate about it. This is just a skill. So for instance, we're still helping you move toward a different role, but the skill in question could be, I don't know, data analysis. Okay. You are good at it. That's a skill you identify. That's a strength. But are you interested in it? Because for me, I was good at engineering, but I wasn't interested in it. So I had to make a difficult decision. For some people, there's a huge, there's an overlap. They are good at something and they're also interested in that thing. So I think you want to overlay that question on top of all of your strengths and go down a list. For instance, I'm good at this. I also like doing it. I also enjoy it. I also get satisfaction different ways of saying you, 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 it's a passion, it's an interest. And then look at the areas where those two, you have those two in common, right? So for instance, you, you may not want to do data analysis, but you loved managing people and you were good at it. That's something where there is an intersection between your passions and your strengths. And I would do that with every skill and ability and strength, make a list And then pay attention to the areas where you have that intersection. And I think the next step is you want to bring that into now the the work of finding a role that helps us apply that skill and passion or the list of skills and passions into a position, into a place, a company, an organization. And that's the, the third place of intersection, which I call market demand, you know, or you could call it anything, or opportunities for income generation, or if you have a business, or you're going to start a business, opportunities for clients and customers, right? That practical element of putting things to work. And so those are the three elements, and that's where we have a visual, if you ever want to share that, where it's like the intersection of those three. And I think that is the zone of brilliance where we want to operate. And we may have to take baby steps towards that. Uh, that's a really good point. Yes. You, you may not go mm-hmm. out and find your dream job on yes. day one, no. but you might take a job that could get you in steps yes. to where you ultimately want to be. Yeah. Those can be hard decisions, right? Yes. Trying to yes. figure out if it's the right job, if it's going to get you where you want to go. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, you just had a recent conference where um, I had the pleasure of working with women at the table. And one of them said to me, I can't afford to be interested in my passions right now because I have to get a job now. 
So her priority is to bring income into her household. That's one of the areas of intersection. And her strengths, that has to be the driver right now. But I wanted to encourage her to bring some interest. So maybe just a little bit, not 100%, but maybe something that you could possibly be interested in doing. Because it's going to sustain us. It's going to keep us energized. It's going to keep us motivated. You don't want to just go back and get a job. We want to raise the bar on that, right? While being practical, while still being practical and sensible to our responsibilities. Yep. Great. I love that you have that included as such a huge part of this is, do I like doing this? Do I enjoy using this skill? Because we can go out and get a job, but if we're, if we don't love it, or even like it, if we're not engaged in the work we're doing, right, maybe feel some sort of purpose in doing that and um, feel rewarded for doing that, it's, you know, it's not the kind of thing we're going to stick with for very long. And that can be so draining when you, haven't we all had those jobs, right? It's Sunday night and you're like, oh man, I really have to go there tomorrow and do that all again. For sure. So nobody wants to feel that way. Yeah. And we feel we have to, like we feel we don't have a choice. And because if you're going back to work, can we talk a little bit on the emotional side? Oh, please. That's such a huge, huge part of this process. Right. Because we're not robots. So you've taken a break. Let's say you've taken a 10 year break. That is a long time for you to have been out of the workforce. Yes. You still have lots of things to contribute, no doubt, but you might not feel as confident in your abilities. And I think it's important to get you to a place where you can be confident because that confidence is key in interviews. I know you hear this all the time, but I'm going to repeat it. That confidence, your interviewer is going to feel the confidence or the lack of it. And they make decisions on that. They make subconscious decisions on that. So for you to feel that way, you want to believe that, yes, you can go back to a job where you can enjoy it. You don't have to take the first thing that comes, which is what I call the scarcity mindset, right? And and so doing some work on that emotional process, and I have never personally taken a break, but I have made a huge shift. And I think it's so important to pay attention to that emotional process because it's going to feed the rest of the work that you do. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah. That is so true. I think that confidence factor, as you mentioned, which is so big, is something that women, Mm -hmm. if you've taken a break and you're going back to work, you maybe have confidence about other areas of your life, but maybe not your professional self. Yes. And so, you know, I talk to women about kind of remember when you did have that confidence, you probably were in a position before you took a break when you did have that kind of confidence. So sometimes it's just recalling that. Yes. And then I like your process also of identifying the strengths yes. and your skills, because I think getting comfortable with talking about oh, I have expertise in this area. I'm really good at this. Those are things that are can be hard to say. Yes. And so the more that we can get comfortable saying those things, mm-hmm. the more we project confidence. And then, like you said, it's kind of a, it's a cycle, right? You're, yeah. you're going to be judged in an interview on your, how confident you appear. For sure. I mean, think about it, Katie. If you're interviewing me and I'm great on paper, but I have low confidence, would you hire me? I know I wouldn't hire me. And so we we make those decisions. It's not because, you know, it's just natural. And I think if you want to get to that level of confidence, you want to exercise a level of honesty with your interviewer. 
So you're not exaggerating the truth. We talked about this at the table topics where the women are like, well, I've taken a break. I probably can't do that. And I would say, first of all, be, be honest with yourself. Are you sure you can't do that? If I gave you that project and you had a little t- ramp up time, are you sure you wouldn't be able to really lead it like you did 10 years ago? Why and why not? So being fair on how we assess ourselves, right? right? Okay, you, you might say, I might brush up on this, on that, but I can definitely do it. And then you could share that with the interviewer. You could say something like, you know, John, I've been out of the workforce, that's correct, but I used to lead projects of this size very well. And I may need, you know, a month or two to brush up, but I am a fast learner. I can get in there and start running. And I have no doubt I can be a great project manager on your team, right? And when we can bring that honesty in, I think that also helps with the confidence. Yes. Yeah, because you are being authentic and you're sort of owning your, what you are good at and asking for a little bit of leeway maybe on ramp up time. Exactly. Which is only fair, right? I mean, new employees get that all the time. Right. So, and understanding that, look, you can speak to the fact that you've taken a break with confidence. That piece of it, because I think that may be when, if the potential employer questions that, that could also crush your confidence and feel like you're being judged. But if you just welcome that with curiosity and say, you know what? Yes, I've taken a break. But again, I'm a fast learner. I am interested in your company. I am excited to start this again. I bring skills that you may not have had. It can bring us a competitive advantage, a new perspective. And being able to welcome the questions about your break and respond both with authenticity and also just being fair to yourself. Yeah, because the break doesn't disqualify you. I mean, no, of course not. Right, and and I think that's becoming more and more understood. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. But also, I think when I think about when I was on a career break, I was the, I don't know, the VP of finance for the PTA, and so I was at home like crunching all those numbers and tracking the right. budget and all that kind of stuff. Those are job skills that you are using, just not in a context where you're being paid for those. Mm -hmm. But, and I'm not unique. I think there are lots of other women who on their career breaks are leading projects. They're um, running all kinds of things at schools, at their places of worship, you know, leading projects, leading people, um, often using their job skills just in a different context. So I think it's important also to kind of give yourself credit for those mm-hmm. things that you have been doing. Yes, yes. I think it's important to be be more of an open book about your break in that yes. because some people just put a gap in their resume so you can see a 2008 and then the next job is at 2012 and they don't explain the gap. I recommend you you are open to explaining the gap because employers could jump into whatever conclusion, right? And even, you know, I've heard even really bad conclusions, like maybe you were in prison. My brother told me that. I'm like, you're kidding. He's like, no, I work with employers. They, you know, so you want to be open book about it in that if you did volunteer work that moved your community and your schools and your churches forward because of you being such a valued contributor, why would you not brag about that? Right. Why? That's great stuff. So being open about it, that also helps us be confident. There's nothing to hide here. I chose to take a personal break. Here is how I used my time and energy while I took care of my family. And now I'm ready to go back to work. Yep. 
great. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, to the point of like thinking about what your skills are and do I enjoy these things, yeah. that there are things that women do on career breaks where they discover new skills or discover a new passion. So maybe they did something else yeah. for their career beforehand, but they've been able to explore a new skill or a new side of themselves through a volunteer project. Yeah. And that's really valuable information to have about yourself. Too. Yes, yes. I think it's important to also give ourselves to be creative, you know? Yes. So you discover that about yourself, but you think you have to go fit into a box when you are finding your next job as you return. And sometimes you're not going to fit into a box. And you know what I do tell and see happen all the time is that employers can also create positions. So maybe you see um, an opportunity that's, you know, good for you, but you still want to bring this new passion that you uncovered. Well, you could bring that up in the conversation if everything's going well, they're interested in you, and they could modify that position. And maybe they cr- they're going to give you responsibility to also do sponsorship or to talk to, I don't know, get funding for them. But things can be created together collaboratively. So don't rule it out. You know, that's why the why I think is so important to do. Mm-hmm. Because if you find your perfect dream company, because let's say they they align to your core values and that's your big why, but they don't have the perfect position, well, maybe you could suggest, you know what, I want to bring these things to the table. This would be my dream position. Would you be open to exploring and expanding the role so that I can bring this skill that I'm really passionate about? And not only does that position you like a very creative and inspiring candidate, but you might just be surprised what they're willing to do. Yeah, right? that's right. If you don't ask, right. you don't get. Right. <laughs> so things on paper. And by the same token, if there are qualifications that you need to have, let's say you meet 60 or 70%, but you don't have, I don't know, a 20% over here. And I would say go ahead and apply anyway. And you've heard the statistic, right? Men apply if they don't have, I don't know, if they have at least 50%. And and women need to have like 95% of the qualifications and no one has that right. many. Right. So if you have the main ones and you understand the role, so you understand what are the key responsibilities, the key skills, go ahead and apply. And if nothing else, you're going to get yourself an informational interview. Right. So, Which can be hugely valuable. Mm-hmm. I think I love informational interviews. I love the whole idea of those. Yep. I love how much you can learn from doing those and yes. how it's just a great opportunity to kind of expand your network by asking people, oh, I see you work at that company. Yes. That is number one on my target list in my job search. And, you know, can I buy you a cup of coffee and ask you some questions about your experience there? That's great stuff. Yeah, for sure. And people are willing to do that. Yes, I think so. if they have worked at the company before in their history, let's say they worked at Google, but they moved on to another company and you're really interested in getting to Google, it's even better because they're more than willing to talk about an ex-employer and tell you the culture, the scene, the, 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 the climate, everything. So it's not just currently they're working there, but look at where they might have worked before so something to keep in mind. Yeah, good tip. That mm-hmm. kind of expands your pool yeah. of people who you For might sure. be able to connect with yeah. to tell you about that company. Yeah, because so people move good. all the time. You just right. never know. Right. right. And speaking of that, I think that's a lot of women going back to work find themselves making that shift that you yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, the statistics used to be that people would have like seven different jobs over the course of their career. But now the numbers say something like people will have seven different careers over the course wow. of their working years <laughs> right. because people are making those shifts. And it's, it's possible now to do multiple different things in the course of your career. Yes. I think that's really exciting for anybody because it you can sort of yeah. reinvent yourself. You can follow a new passion yeah. if that's what you have. But also if you've been out of the workforce and you're coming back, mm -hmm. it's not unusual that you might be starting new in an industry or right. in a job um, because people who don't take career breaks do that all the time too. Yes. Good perspective to add on that. Exactly. Right. So no. I think that's neat. And I think the availability yeah. of just online courses and like if you need to learn a new skill oh my god you, there are so many different ways you can go out and get that yes. now and I think that enables us to make those different shifts yes because if we're the constant learning type of growth mindset person yeah. that companies love you can go out and fill your skill gaps in a lot of different ways and you can do it pretty quickly too so true I mean it's just amazing how many resources we can have and you could get your own coaches you could be in a mastermind group you could do the online education like you said read books I mean there's just so much and, and I think that can also be overwhelming at times. Yes. You know? True. Because there is so much. So again, if you go back and you are clear on your why and you know the skills that you have and then a little bit, and a little bit around the passions and the interests by asking those questions, then maybe it's going to become more clear the kind of work you want to do. And when you know the kind of work you, you're going to do, you will also want to know the skill gap that you need to fill. Right. So so then it's a great opportunity to, to say to your potential employer, you know, I am in the process of teaching myself executive communications through books and a course I'm taking. And so it's a great way to speak to the thing that you might not have a full check mark on, on the position as you prepare for that next dream role. Yep. Great. So, mm -hmm. I love that. I think that makes a great story too in an interview, just like you said. Perfect. Well, I identified that as a gap I had and here's what I'm doing to fill that gap I and know. to learn in that space. Yeah. So much initiative, right? right. Like who doesn't love that I know. as an employer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That says so many great things about a candidate, doesn't it? Does. It does. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Love that. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a little bit about your shift because you okay. did make that big career change. Yes. And I think that's fascinating. And you've, I, you're clearly so thoughtful about the moves that you make and, and you've been so successful with it. So I would love to hear how you made that change. Sure. Yeah, no, happy to share. So, I mean, mine came from just, I, I loved, I loved it. No, I, and that's not true. I didn't love the work I did towards the end of my career. I had a good career. I had a lot of areas that I enjoyed doing, but towards the end, I was just good at it. I could do it in very little time. And then I had all this extra time, which then led to my quote unquote distractions like blogging and podcasting, <laughs> and which led to my entire company. I came to a conclusion that I need to do something more meaningful with my career, Katie, you know, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew I started eliminating what it is not. And the thing that I knew is I don't want to work for someone else. And again, this is personal to me, right? So that eliminated working at the list of dream companies I had because I wasn't going to be an employee. So then it was a matter of, okay, what am I going to do? And it was going to be work for myself. And I was going to do it 
in a way that it was remote or ability to be remote, like to have a lifestyle where I could travel and do it from anywhere. I would have liked to at some point bring my husband on board, which we were able to do. And I wanted to work with people. Okay. And I knew that I had been mentoring and coaching. I'm like bringing the pieces together for you. I had been mentoring and coaching my colleagues at Cisco where I spent 12 years and I loved that part of my job. And it was obviously volunteer as a favor, but I really wanted to continue growing that. And I learned about career coaching and executive coaching and how that can be a whole career. So I started to take steps toward that. And then there was the part where I wanted to create things. So the blog was the first, then the podcast, then content in general, in whatever shape it took. And the more I did, the more I realized I love doing that, whether it is around personal improvement, growth. And at the beginning, it was really just general life improvement. Then it got narrowed to more career growth and business growth. And I loved it. And my indication was anything that energized me. If it drained me, I would question doing it again. And I mean, there's exhaustion in the work itself, but you know how when the thing energizes you, like writing this book, exhausting, but also energizing. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. Okay. (laughs) So I was following that and it was a lot around, again, creating my own platform of offerings so that I could reach people that I may never work with one-on-one, right? And, And I was having fun with that. But at the same time, I was growing the coaching, which was very deep one-on-one work. And I was enjoying that. And, you know, it's a like years of journey that I'm kind of narrowing for you. I ran into the problem of I need to get over my own scarcity mindset and invest in my business before I can, I can make it really profitable. That was a huge shift for me because it was, I'm apparently very, very conservative. So I didn't want to invest upfront. And the best decision I made was hire my first business coach. And and it made this internal shifts. And it taught me a lot about coaching. And I realized more and more how much I love it. And I was filling the skill gap. So that became a main offering in my business. And then I was so much more confident about my ability to help people. So it helped the success of my coaching because I knew that I can help certain people. I'm not for everyone. It helped me price myself appropriately be more selective about my clients. And then when the right people come into your circle, you can do your best work, which is then going to lead to its own opportunities, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, one of them was the book and the books that came before that. And, And so I kept following, if I had to really still it down, I kept following the energy. What is energizing me? Because I had done so much boring work at my job and I'm grateful <laughs> for it, but it wasn't energizing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and allowing myself to be creative. So those are some of the things. And then having the support system. So my youngest brother was helping me before my husband came on board. And when my husband came on board, then it was really having that support system of mental, emotional support system with me I I don't think I would have even been interested to do this without him, you know? And we had our growing pains as well because we're complete opposites, which is great when you figure out how to work together. Right. Right? So after I got out of my micromanagement ways, (laughs) which almost cost me my marriage, no kidding, then we're like, oh my God, we want the same things, but we're going to respect each other's styles and 
and and I realized we're a great team together. And so the support system was really important to me, being able to take risks financially. You know, we were very conservative during our corporate years, so we had a cushion, so I wasn't under constant pressure to make money. Ah, oh, that's nice. You know, if you're going into business with for yourself, I think it's important to to have that freedom and peace of mind, and if you can't, then keep your job and maybe do it as a side hustle, as a side hobby and grow it that way because that pressure I find and it can kill the creativity. Mm-hmm. Lots of ups and downs, lots of my products that failed, lots of things that didn't sell. And and I'm glad for all of them because they led to the next thing and that led to the next thing. And, you know, it was a non-negotiable for me to make my business work. And so that much I knew. So then it was a matter of, okay, what's going to work? If this book is not going to work, if this program is not going to work, I'll create something else, mm-hmm. but I'm going to stay in business and I'll find the thing that works. And that that persistence, that stubbornness actually paid off. Yeah, it sounds like it. Right? That's great. I love that. <laughs> the, the determination and the just the belief in yourself. Yes. Know, that this is going to succeed and that is non-negotiable. Yes. Now let me figure out how to do that. Yes. And having the support system because sometimes I forgot to believe in myself, often at the beginning, and mm-hmm. Andy, my husband, would always be there and you know, he would hear the doubts, but then we would we would decide, look, we're still doing this. So he would reassure me, like, I needed that, and I think it's okay to admit you need that, but you don't need a whole team. You need one person to believe in you. Yep. That's not you that can be there when you're down, and that's all. You don't need your whole family to get on board because they won't. Your friends, your colleagues, you don't need that. You don't even need to tell them what you're doing. But one person, I think that's important. Yeah, good. I think that that's a good point. The support system is really key yeah. in any transition process. Absolutely. So oh, that's yeah. great. Well, gosh, thank you for sharing. That was my pleasure. That was great. I loved hearing that story. <laughs> and so just to kind of wrap up, so many things to think about as you are determining where to re-enter the workforce, maybe yes. after taking a career break. Mm-hmm. And I love that you walked us through a few steps. The first one was really thinking about your why and doing that skill inventory and talking about your strengths and your skills. And then importantly, the do I like using this strength and this skill piece? Um, Really, really key. And I love the zone of brilliance that you talk about too, which is really neat. Sort of finding the intersection of things that you're good at, that you enjoy doing, that there is a demand in the market for. And then having the confidence to go out and get after those. Yeah, and believing that you can be brilliant at something. Like, right? Because I think, and, and it ties to the confidence. But sometimes we just disqualify ourselves. Oh, I just want a job. Well, maybe you should aim higher because, right, you can be brilliant. It's just that we need to bring the circumstances together. Yes. So I'm glad that was useful. Yeah, very useful. And I love how you talked about sort of the the bar for you was, is this energizing me? Yes. And that's a just a great thing to keep in mind as you go through the process of reentering the workforce or even in you know, if you have a job, is this energizing me? I think that's a great question to really help sort of guide you toward doing work that you're happy doing. Yeah. I mean, we forget to check in with our body, which is, it's going to give you so many clues. And I now would go like, you know, months and not, not pay any attention to what's going on with my body and then have a burnout 
during my corporate career and it took me a while to realize you know what your body gives you a lot of signs it tells you when you're stressed it tells you when you're unhappy when you're drained as well as when something energizes you so i think that habit of just checking in or learning the skill if you haven't done it that can also serve in air, air, other areas of life. Yeah. But thank you for point. calling that out. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. My this pleasure. was a, a great conversation. And I know your coaching work is so um, impactful to a lot of people because you have so much expertise in this. And, and I know you care so deeply about the people that you work with and that really comes through. So thank you, Katie. Thank you for that. It was an energizing conversation. Oh. It really was. <laughs> thank you. It was for me. I'm glad it was for you. Absolutely. Great. All right. So thanks for joining us today. Now that you know how to go about the process of determining where you might re-enter the workforce, go do it. I believe in you. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.